Hey friends, this is Josh Blair, and I'm the pastor of Central Valley Church, and this is our podcast. My prayer for the message you hear today is that it will inspire you and encourage you to walk closer with Jesus this week. If you want to stay connected with us, please check us out at CVC Madera, both on Facebook and Instagram. And you can check out our YouTube channel, Central Valley Church. Thanks for listening. Well, if you're not ready for God's Word, I don't know how to get you ready, because we're getting in it right now. Are you ready? There it is. Edith is ready. I'm ready. So we've been in this uh, One Thing campaign, the Follow series now, since February 13th. That's the, that's the Sunday we kicked off this campaign, this series, to really look at what Jesus has called us to do to be followers of Him. And uh, uh, this whole idea behind the One Thing, this one series of, of Follow, uh, is taken out of Jesus' words found at the end of Matthew Um, After his resurrection, Jesus said this as he came to his disciples. He said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. In this passage of Scripture, it's referred to as the Great Commission, as he tells to every disciple, If you're going to be a follower of mine, these are the things that I want you to do. And, and there's only one command in that entire passage. It's not, the command is not to go. It's not to baptize. It's not to teach. The command is to make disciples. That's the command that he's called all of us to do. One thing, make disciples. And a disciple is someone who learns to do what the master does. And Jesus said to his disciples, come to me, hear what I say, and then put it into practice. This is what it means to be a disciple. Come to Jesus, hear what he says, and then do what he says. So we have, to, we have to come to him, we have to hear him, and then we have to do what he says. So, so you are not a follower of Jesus if you leave one of those out. If you come to Jesus, but you don't hear what he says, and you don't do it, you're not following Jesus. Or if you come to Jesus, you hear what he says, and you refuse to do it, you're not following Jesus. Jesus says, my followers, come to me. They hear me, and then they do it. And that's where life is found, and that's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. It's obeying his word and then doing his word. See, Jesus says, you're my disciples if you obey my commands. And you have to put it into practice. So we're learning to hear what Jesus says and then do it. That's what we're doing. That's why we've started since February until now. This is what we've been teaching. This is what we've been looking at. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? And there's, there are seven attributes of a follower of Jesus that we've been go, going through as we've read, uh, been reading through the book. And if you've read it before, the book on follow, the seven essential attributes, and it's learning to be with Jesus, learning to listen to Jesus, learning to heal and be healed by Jesus, learning to influence for Jesus, learning to love like Jesus, and learning to pray like Jesus, learning to manage the things that God has given us. And this week, today, we're kicking off our sixth attribute, this mini-series out of seven, on learning to pray. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be asking the Lord to teach us to pray. We need to be a church that prays. We need to be a church that not only just does the motion of prayer, but actually has, understands the power of our prayer when we seek the Lord and seek His face. And I believe that God is calling all of us to learn how to pray more intentionally, and more fully. Amen. See, prayer is one of our core values here at Central Valley Church. It's one thing that we say, we want to be a people known uh, for prayer. 
And, and we talk a lot about abiding in Jesus, and as we abide in him, fruit, that fruit develops in our lives, that apart from him we can do nothing but in him. All things are possible. We talk about that. I even said it most, multiple times last week. With man, it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. Right? And, and we talk about that we are people of prayer. And I think that we're well on our way to being recognized as a house of prayer in our city. But to be honest, we're, we're, we haven't quite reached it yet. We're not quite there yet. I, 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 I know that it, it's a perceived value for us. Yes, our, our, one of our principles is prayer. But it's not quite yet a lived value for all of us yet. And we're not going to be recognized as a house of prayer and a people of prayer until all of us, not just the religiously elite, if there is such a thing. Maybe in some of our eyes we think some others are higher than us. They have, they're, they're, they're more passionate than we are. They're, they're more learned than we are. They're, they're, they're more dedicated than we are. But we're not looking just for those people who already have developed a lifestyle of prayer and that prayer is for them. Now, we'll be known as a house of prayer and a people of prayer when all of us are saying, I'm devoted to prayer. I'm devoted to seeking God's face. And I believe that God is, is elevating this call in all of our hearts to be people who are known for prayer. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, he's talking to you. He's talking to you. Now, turn to the person you rejected and, and turn to them and say, he's talking to you. He's talking to all, I'm talking to all of us. God is wanting to bring us to another level. And so that's what we're talking about in the next few weeks. Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. That's where we're at. And and, uh, in the most recent Gallup poll, they asked people if they have a belief in God. They asked uh, Americans all around our nation, do you have a belief in God? 87% of Americans say, yes, we we believe there's a God. 83% of those Americans said, we believe that God answers prayer which is much higher than I thought it would be. But of those that said, yes, we believe in God, and yes, we believe that he answers prayer, only 58% of those people said, we, we pray on a somewhat regular basis. So there's a disconnect between what we believe about God and actually living out that belief on a regular basis. If I believe that God answers prayer, then why is it that I often find myself not praying? about very uh, real situations that I know that he will answer if I would only seek his face. There's a disconnect between our understanding of who he is and what he does and actually living out that belief on a regular basis. And this Gallup poll, actually, uh, they took it right after COVID hit. So I'm expecting people to be praying a lot more during COVID. When they first shut everything down and there was a lot of confusion and a lot of uh, uh, instability and, and a lot of fear... I know a lot more people were wanting to pray and to seek God. And perhaps maybe that number might be lower now than it was two years ago when they took that poll. But even still, even in the church, I, say, I would say if we, if we took a straw poll right now, that our numbers would be very similar to these. Yes, we believe in God. Yes, we believe in the power of prayer. And no, I don't really pray as often as I should. And I believe that God understands our hearts and sees our hearts, but wants to raise our awareness. That that we have a desire for prayer, but for some of us, we seek it, and yet we hide from it. We want it, but we don't pursue it. And a lot of us could say, well, Pastor, there's there's a lot of things that I'm doing, and and busyness is a result. And, And we are more busy now 
than generations far before us. There's always more things grabbing for our attention. But can I tell you that very rarely, because of busyness, will we forget to eat. Very rarely, because of busyness, will we forget to sleep. Very rarely, because of busyness, will we forget to connect with others around us. But for some reason, because of our busyness, we put prayer on the back burner. And we put our connection with God as something that's secondary to the rest of our busyness in life. And yet God is saying, my people who are called by my name, if you will humble yourselves and pray and seek my face. We've been asking him to move in our land. We're asking him to heal our land. We're asking him to do what only he can do. And he's up there asking us, will you seek my face? Will you seek my face? I'm going to talk more about this as in the coming weeks about the power of our prayer. And why should we even pray if God is sovereign and in control of everything? What's the use of prayer anyway? That's a good question you're asking. And we'll get into it. So make sure you don't miss a Sunday. But this Sunday, I want to make sure that we talk about what, what prayer is. Because just recently we had, we had uh, it used to be called the Mayor's Prayer Breakfast here in Madeira. Now it's called the Madeira Prayer's Breakfast. Uh, I don't know if there's a reason for that or not. I don't know. You can have your own assumptions if you want to. I don't think that's what the important thing is. But I was invited to come and pray uh, as, a, as a leader in our community, and I, I had the honor of praying for our Supreme Court judges. So I, don't worry, y'all. Some of you, I know you needed some, a good word for them, so I slipped it in there for you. I was like, hey, you know, so-and-so's case is coming up. You could help them out. <laughs> no, I didn't do that. But, but I, I had the honor of praying for them. And, and it's a beautiful thing that we have a national day of prayer. But do you know, as followers of Jesus, every day is a day of prayer for us. It's a wonderful thing that on one day in the year, we, we stop to pray in a nation. But every day should be a national day of prayer in our hearts. Because prayer is vitally important. And before we can get to the why or even the how to pray, I want to talk about, I want to talk about the things that prayer is not. There's a quote from S.D. Gordon. He says this, You can do many things after you pray, but you can do nothing until you pray. So you can do many, another way of saying it, you can do many things after you pray, but you can't do many things until you pray. So oftentimes, there's so much for us to do, I just got to get right to it. There's things that I can be doing. There's other things that I can be doing besides pray. Well, you should be praying first, and then do what you can do in your power. Bring it to the Lord first. Martin Luther King Jr. said this, the busier my schedule and the more hectic that I have, uh, in my day, the more time I spend in prayer, which is the opposite of what often we do. When our days are busy, we might take 10 minutes, if we do it all, drop to our knees and say a little prayer and then get going. But for this man who led a revolution in our nation, the busier his schedule, the more time he spent in prayer. The busier his schedule, he would say, I would mark out two to three hours in the morning if I knew I had a really hectic schedule because I needed the Lord to go before me. And so... We need that in our hearts. And I understand that there are misconceptions about prayer. I understand it. Some of us, even now, if I would, I would put you on the spot and ask you what prayer is and how, and how we should do it, you would be terrified. Like, please, don't you dare do that. I can even, some of you looking at me right now. Yeah, Jose's like, don't you, don't you look at him. Don't you look at him. Right, there's misconceptions about prayer. And even because there's bad theology regarding prayer, and so some people have these, these misconceptions about prayer because they've been taught 
a bad understanding about prayer. Can I just tell you this? The first one is prayer is not a magic wand. Right? You're not Harry Potter in this mix. Waving a wand and say, expecto patronum and making something happen. Is that even the right word? I don't even know. I should ask the girls right here in front of me, but they don't want me to. Whatever. It's not something that you just wave and magically things happen because you will it to happen. It's not a magic wand that you just say the right words and you say them in the right order and you wave something that you really want before the Lord. and you, 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 uh, There's like this superstitious, superstitious approach. You, if you're going to approach God, you have to do it this way and in this manner and you have to have these things set and you have to have all these things in order. Like you're conjuring up something. Like genie, that, that God is a genie in the bottle. You've got to rub it the right way. And all of a sudden now his, his, he comes out, he says, my wish is your command. And yet we have people who are teaching this and believe it. It's a name it and claim it gospel. It's a word of faith. If you just have enough faith and you just say it in the right order, you do it in the right way, you just get whatever you want. In other world religions, that's the same thing. There's a, there's a show on Netflix called The Secret. It talks about the law of attraction. You just put things out in the atmosphere and you have good thoughts and positive thoughts and it'll just come back to you. That's crazy. And yet we've mingled it in the church. Sorry, if you thought that was real, let me pop that bubble for you because that's trash. It's not right. It's a trick of the enemy to say, yeah, get distracted by all the material things you want and I'll flood your life with it just so that you don't follow Jesus. Oh, he's willing to give you the, the, the kingdom of the world for the sake of your soul. Right? Jesus said a, a, a man would lose his soul and gain what in the world? And so there are things out there, and, and this perception about prayer has worked its way into the church, and we think, God, you have to do it if I say it. No, he's God. I don't have to listen to you. I don't have to listen to me. But some of us have that understanding in prayer. I'm just trying to give some correction Real quick, because I love you and I want you to know how to really touch the throne room of God. The second thing that prayer is not, it is not a first aid kit. It's not a first aid kit. Some of us think that prayer is something we use when we're desperate in case of emergencies. In emergency situations only, like a fire extinguisher. You don't touch it unless there's a fire. And sometimes we think, man, my life's falling apart, I better start praying. My, my life is being burned up. Grab the extinguisher and put this fire out. And we use prayer as something that's in a side bin that we break the glass on when we need it and o- only when we need it. And, and it's something that we, doesn't really affect our lives at all until things start falling apart. And some of us know what I'm talking about because your lives are falling apart and you're seeking God now more than you have ever before. And that's not wrong. God will use it. He will use it to draw your hearts. But I'm telling you that that cannot be the lifestyle that you live. Only in crisis moments do you cry out. Anybody have any friends like that? You don't hear from them unless things are falling apart. Then they want to come and crash on your couch. You still can. But a friendship and a relationship is what I really long for. God's not there just to be used by us whenever we have a whim. The other thing that, that prayer is not, prayer is not a tug of war. Sometimes we think that prayer is a con job with God. See, we try to convince God that, that He should do something nice for us. 
You know, God, if you, if you do this and you do that, and then I'll do this. And it's this whole, whole tug of war with God. As if he's some cold-hearted old man sitting on a throne miles away who doesn't care about you, doesn't love you, doesn't want the best for you. And you've got to con him into giving you what you want. Right? You have to beg and you've got to plead God because he doesn't really love you and he doesn't really care about you and he doesn't really know your needs. So he has all the wealth and all the riches and all the power. So you've got to become in there. You've got to manipulate him to get, to get what you want. That's not what prayer is. See, some of us think we've got to keep pestering God until he finally is like, all right, I'm tired of you. Fine. Get out of here and take, take what you want with you. That's not God. That's a weird, twisted view of our Heavenly Father. And last, prayer is not religious duty. It's not a religious duty or a religious day. That says day, but it says duty. It's not a religious duty. And this is probably one of the worst misconceptions about prayer. Is that it's something you ought to do. Something that you have to do. If you, you have to pray so that you don't get on God's bad side. I got I to gotta do all my religious things so that God will still like me. God will still listen to me. And we've learned to memorize phrases and religious cliches. And we say them over and over again to try to get God to like us and to listen to us. And we just repeat the same words over and over and over, thinking something's going to change. And nothing changes. My brothers and sisters in the Catholic Church, some love the Lord very much, but some are walking through religious duty with their Hail Mary and their beads, trying to get God's attention, trying to get God to love them. And I just want to tell them, God loves you. And he sees you, and he knows you, and he knows your heart. See, because of religiosity and, 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 and some poor theology, we don't really know who God is. And this is for all of us. Not just those other religions or those other denominations or those other groups who don't quite got it right, but we do. No, friend. Often, Many of us have been in phases like this, thinking that we have to walk through these circles or these cycles or these rhythms to try to get God to pay attention. Prayer is not something that we really enjoy when we see it as a religious duty. It's something that we endure. But prayer is not, not like any of these faulty perceptions. Prayer is not something that you master before you put it into practice. I have a desire, uh, because I, I, I've flown with a friend now a few times, a couple times, I have a desire that I want to be a pilot. I want to fly these little planes that scare people. <laughs> they, and the training center is here in Madeira, and it flies over my house probably 500 times a day, which is awesome, but kind of also brings a little bit of terror, because I'm like, those people are just learning. <laughs> and they're flying over my house. Lord, don't let there be a downdraft right here, because... I like my house. But there's something in me that kind of wants to do it. I went and actually had a conversation with the, with the trainers uh, just a little while ago. And I asked them, 
how, how soon into, into flying, how many hours before I do solo flights? And they're like, oh, yeah, 10 hours. 10 hours. I was like, excuse me? That's, that means I can take off and come back and land on my own in 10 hours? Like, yeah, I mean, if you do your studying and you do your stuff. And that's terrifying. I mean, it's kind of exciting, though, a little bit. But often, that's how we respond when, when, when it comes to our prayer life. Okay, I, I, I know I need to be praying, but I don't really know how, so I, I need to figure out, I need to read all the manuals, and I need to sit down, with, and I just need to hang out with people who know how to pray, and let them do all the work, and do all the praying, and I don't have anything to say, and I don't know what to say, and that's terrifying. And when you, you say, I can start praying, now I, I don't know how to pray. Don't ask me. Don't call me to pray. I can't pray out loud. I don't want to do it. But prayer is not something that you master before you put it into practice. Prayer is something that you do because it's a connection with our Heavenly Father. It doesn't need to be perfect. It doesn't need to be eloquent. It doesn't need to sound beautiful. It just needs to sound like a conversation from your heart to His. That's what prayer is. Prayer is a beautiful thing that God has given us. And you learn as you go. You learn as you go. It's like learning language. Like John was saying, you listen and then you repeat. You say, hola, hola. That means hello. Oh, you watch Dora the Explorer. She tells you all these things. Hola. You learn as you go. You put it into practice, and you learn how to speak. You learn to pray by praying, right? Because prayer isn't a list of religious phrases. You don't have to get all the terminology down right before you can talk. You can pray to the Lord right now. It's a dialogue. We talk to Him. We share our hearts. We share our thoughts, and He responds. Isn't that beautiful? Because we serve a God who still speaks a God who hears, and a God who responds. And if you're here this morning and you feel like, man, I need to learn how to pray, you're not alone. That's a good place to be. Because the disciples felt the same way. And they walked with Jesus. They followed Jesus. They watched His every move. And you you know what stood out to them as they followed Jesus? His prayer life. That's what stood out to them more than the miracles they saw, more than the fact that He walked on water. More than he fed the 5,000 and the 4,000. When they came to it at the end of the day, what did the disciples ask Jesus to do? Teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. That's what they saw him doing day in and day out. They literally saw him going and praying. And they said, I want to be like you. And Jesus often took several of them, a few of them even his inner circle would take them to pray. Luke's gospel tells us, Luke 5, 16 says, Jesus often withdrew to a lonely places and prayed. Luke 6, 12 says, one of those days Jesus went up to the mountainside to pray and he spent the night praying to the, God, to the Lord. And after watching Jesus on all those occasions, the disciples finally came to his head, teach us to pray. But I think it's interesting that they followed him for quite some time. This wasn't like within one month, two months, within the year or so of following Jesus that they finally asked him to teach them to pray. I mean, they saw him praying so many times before, but they never asked him. They never asked him. And what's interesting is he didn't offer to teach them either. He didn't have a seminar on one of his weekends off where he said, all right, everyone, gather around. I'm going to teach you how to pray. And that stood out to me. I would have thought that one of the first things that he would have done when he, fought, when he called them to follow, he said, okay, now prayer is so important. I want you to learn how to do it, and here are the steps. A couple things stood out to me in this. 
And the first one is this. If you follow Jesus long enough, you'll want to know how to pray like he prayed. You, st- you spend enough time with Jesus. See, the disciples learned to be with him and learned to listen to him, learned to watch him. And because of that, they said, we need to do what he's doing. And if you follow Jesus long enough, you're going to have that in your heart too. I want to pray like Jesus prayed. I want to be able to connect to the Father like Jesus connected to the Father. The second thing that stood out to me is that just because you're a follower of Jesus doesn't mean you know how to pray. So don't feel bad. The disciples walked with him and didn't know how to do it. So don't allow the enemy to come in and condemn you for a a sense of lack that you might have in the area of prayer. Be bold like the disciples and say, hey, I might have been following you for 10 years, but will you teach me to pray? That's me too. I want to pray with more intensity, more fervor, and more passion than I do now. Teach me to pray. That's where all of us are. And in Luke's gospel, we see, we call it the Lord's Prayer, but it's not His prayer. It's our prayer. It should be called the Disciples' Prayer. That's where we're at. We need to know how to pray. That's our prayer. Lord, teach us to pray. And so this morning, we're going to look at this section. I'm going to try to go quickly through it. But I want you to uh, memorize this passage of Scripture. It's the Lord's Prayer, and I want you to memorize it out of Matthew. You can use whatever translation you like. I like to use the New King James Version, especially on this prayer. I just like how it's worded. But my challenge for you is to memorize the the Lord's Prayer word for word, not so that you can recite it as if it's going to be a magic wand that you're going to get God's attention, but because there's power and authority in understanding what Jesus is teaching us about prayer when he's showing us how to pray. And so it reads in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9. Jesus says, and this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. See, we're going to begin our series on learning how to pray by talking about the beginning of this prayer. And I know we've done a series similar like this before, powerful prayers, when we looked at this prayer. But some of you weren't here. And and this is a, a, a little bit different focus. But we're going to be looking at the beginning of this prayer, how Jesus taught us to start. And it's our Father in heaven. That's where I wanted us to, to, to camp for a little bit this morning. With the big idea of this. Here's the big idea. To learn to pray, you learn by speaking directly with God. You learn to, to pray by speaking directly with God. See, when, you, when you're learning to pray, where you, start, where you start makes all the difference in the world. Who you start praying to and how you begin makes, the, makes a big difference. And according to this verse... You don't start with another mediator. You don't start with anybody else. Those of you maybe who've come from other religious backgrounds, you don't have to pray to a saint. You don't pray to the mother. You pray directly to our Heavenly Father. He says, our Father. This is how he says, if you're going to learn how to pray, this is where you start, with the Father. You speak to Him. 1 Timothy 2.5 says this, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Jesus is our mediator. He is the one who, connect, who connects us to the Father. And through Him, in Jesus' name we pray, we go directly to the Father. We can talk directly to Him. 
because of the sacrifice of Jesus, he tore the veil between, between us and a relationship with God. And now, because of Christ, we pray through him to the Father. Thanks for listening to this message. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel to hear past episodes. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to rate it and share it with your friends and help us out a lot. If you're interested in supporting the ministry of Central Valley Church, go to CBC.